0: Hello and welcome to session 40 of the One Love Art Sessions, Versatility. I'm James LJ.
1: I'm Crespo. And I'm Jose Ojeda. And today we're talking about versatility. But I'm first, mad you used two names. Oh, you know, two? I <laughs> know. Every do I do every three? week he changes it up. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I have a third. It's Antonio. People get yeah, real I, confused.
2: I cut you off. What were you going to say?
1: <laughs> well, we're you cut me off. I was going to point it back to you. Uh, we're we're going to talk about versatility today on today's episode, but uh, we wanted to talk to Crespo because he has some news and developments
2: in his life, his professional
1: life that we want to share with the audience.
2: Yeah. Um, so an ongoing part of our conversations is, um, you know, com- the community and, and uh, in art. And how like how we go about that so de- depending on which aspect of, of our careers we're talking about um, I've mentioned it before in the past that I have a community-based initiative where I'm teaching dads to do um, to to add creativity to their uh, parenting tool belt um, and I received an additional year of funding um, to keep that project going so I'm excited to, I'm excited to keep that going and partnering with, with public libraries uh, but I recently attended a, a presentation on um, like playblade play-based learning in art and uh i'm excited to probably take this project out into like state parks and really turn like a state park into our studio space so getting families to get outside and create outdoors should be pretty interesting um and also uh known origin which is one of the nft platforms that um that i am a creator on and now james is as well uh they actually onboarded me as their education ambassador. So I'm looking forward to doing some work with them and um, really making NFTs accessible to uh, not only artists and creators or collectors, but really to teachers and helping the next generation of artists um, understand like what the digital art market has in store for them. So yeah, that's what we have in news. You know, that's what I got going on right now. Congratulations. That's huge. That's great.
0: But you're going to tell them, so we have an ongoing thing that, so this guy, Crespo, he enters a, a contest. He wins it. Yeah, Anything he wins it, right? This guy is the luckiest guy in the art market, right? So I work on my NFTs. I'm like, when am I going to release this thing? What's the weather on Thursday? Like, where's Jupiter in the sky, right? This guy starts his, his creative, known origin, doesn't have any art. And within 24 hours, his account is trending. Like... It's trending crazy that has not had no art the idea of his art got people excited <laughs> like how do i, I, the, I
2: scent. Yeah, the scent, I, I don't, like, scent. yeah I, I don't know what i don't know what that was about it was it's really bizarre so uh, I'll, I'll be it by the time this this podcast drops it's that probably won't be the case um but yeah like uh i've been i've been creating a new project so aside from my personal work i'm i created some work with my son and we're going to where um, we're making those works available for purchase and for collecting um, in order to continue funding the initiative um, for the fatherhood initiative. And, uh, yeah, I just been putting up those works, but they're not available for purchase yet. And that's what James is referring to, that I made it onto the trending list, but there's not, no available work for purchase. Oh, or it's over. <laughs> You're about to pay for
3: the college fund, Crespo, with <laughs>
2: the, just with that alone. It's going to be
0: it's good. exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. Congrats. But I mean. Yeah, man. So, so I think that's a great segue. Cause I mean, your dad, your artist, you're combining the two, you're an educator. That's, I mean, the epitome of being versatile, right. It's like taking your skills and using them in different ways and just being able to be a different person in different modes. Right. I mean, you literally have, well, like two or three different Twitters that are different personalities and, and you balance them pretty well though. Like you balance them pretty well. Like one is your your art person, your teacher one. And, um, and I think, you know, that's that's the idea of being able just to be, to to be a chameleon. I guess that's the best word: a chameleon in different in different areas and be able to adapt, which I think is awesome and it definitely lends itself to today's theme. Oh, um, so so why don't you so so talking about today's theme, today's uh, session, uh, Crespo? Why don't you introduce who we have uh, with us today?
2: Yeah. All right, so today uh, we welcome Click & Press, which is a new era production and DJ duo hailing from New York City. Caleb K. Quick and Mark Fresh to Death Soto met while attending NYU's Clive Davis Department of Recorded Music, where they majored in music production and audio engineering. Their work has been described as an open format style, which allows for a blending of genres and sounds that makes what they do musically unique while remaining viable in today's music marketplace. Inspired by the grooves of 70s soul and funk, the hip hop bounce of the late 90s and early 2000s, and the hard hitting drops of contemporary styles of electronic dance music. Click and Press knows no musical boundaries. But fellas, we always try to do our best to introduce our guests, um, but we always miss something. So here's your opportunity to jump in and fill in our audience uh, with what they should know about you. Mark, you want to kick us off? Uh,
3: Yeah, man, that's that bio makes us sound so legit, bro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, um i mean yeah the, the outside of of that description i think it's pretty uh uh in, like encompassing of, of like how we like see ourselves i think uh for us um like that description is kind of a ever-changing ever-evolving one you know just to speak to the topic of today of versatility we we really like have sort of had to be to use Jay's word like just chameleons in the game, um, and kind of figure out what made sense for for us and like what was working um and how we could use it to just make good music. Um and um yeah, so I mean I think yeah it's just a matter of like how how Kay and I have managed to not kill each other after, you know, 10 plus years of, of working together or like damn near every day. That in and of itself, he's my longest relationship. So pretty proud of that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. What am I missing, Kay? I think like- Yeah,
4: I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's interesting because like, you know, some things you do at a necessity and then and then some things you do in terms of pivots and and some things you do just because you're curious about it. And I know our kind of careers, I guess, if you want to call it that in school, started with us DJing and being known as DJs first and foremost, even though we got to this school because we were producers and, and music creators. But we kind of used that, you know, the DJing to grow our network um our skill set um just you know meeting different people in the school in the college that ended up you know being you know solid relationships that we kept even outside of college and you know just being present in that you know that opportunity to dj school shows and and you know mark hosting events at other colleges and you know being an MC for, for those events and and things like that that we don't necessarily do now, but was part of that story and, and and uh we were able to kind of not shy away from um being well-rounded in all you know, different types of entertainment. Um they kind of, you know, I think inform like where we are now in terms of like our perspective and ability to um I would say understand the different parts of the entertainment industry to you know and why we can make production that works you know so yeah i feel like that's kind of a long explanation of (laughs) where we were at
2: so uh, take us down memory lane we didn't go to college with you so we want to know the hottest spot that y'all that y'all dj at when you were undergrad
3: oh man club love
4: club love club love that was like that once, sounds, right? that sounds like once.
2: a
0: basement somewhere <laughs> no <laughs> it was
3: but the dopest basement you've ever some like picture this let me set the scene spring Please. 2009 right <laughs> <laughs> like it so there was this spot what did it end up becoming okay the club that, that club i don't know uh, did it's, it become a big elephant anymore. I think it became Pixar. no,
4: not that one, one, not that one. Mm-mm.
3: It was something different. All right, but it, I don't know. it another...
0: Starbucks. Let's be honest. No,
3: at this part, <laughs> it's definitely a Starbucks. in Washington Square Park. It's right there. Yeah, it's in it's Washington Starbucks. Square Park. It's a Starbucks for sure. So at that point, it was like this, literally an underground club. So like, it, it literally felt like you were going down a cellar. Um, and I guess the most notable, two no, really notable things was the sound system in that club was like probably at the time one of the best, the in, New best York City. in New York
4: yeah yeah
3: um, and then number 2 was they literally had a furry room that was like fuzzy material,
4: like a crawl like, space like
3: get them to the greek level fuzzy wall oh, yeah. i thought you meant like furries <laughs> but i thought we right. were getting like a little bit like, like
4: furry fetish <laughs> <laughs> He was like a furry cool. room i was like it i don't, I don't, I don't know
3: where, where <laughs> I don't even
4: know what you're referring to <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs>
3: I do know you. clearly you were cleaning your cash before this, that's what you were doing. That's, that's what that was the delay that, before pressing record. <laughs> <laughs> but so there was a fuzzy wall room that like people could crawl into, they were almost like bed spaces technically, and like shit got wild in there. Um, nonetheless, uh, we we DJ several times. I remember Kay because we DJed once just like us DJing, and then the second time. Your boy, R-Less, came through.
4: Leslie, yep. (laughs) I
3: I remember it because it was just like, at that time, I think Ryan Leslie had had just come out with, like, Diamond Girl. And that was, like, the hit of the moment Mm. for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I just remember random stars of the day coming through. And, like, here we are, just college DJs. Like, we had no real, like, understanding of, like, how things worked. Um, And all we knew was that like, we got these people to come to this place. And, you know, it was essentially our job to like keep the party, like like going enough for those people to want to stay. Um, And I think things like that, like are kind of like what Kate talked about, where we sort of built chops in different ways of, of like understanding just entertainment, music industry, um And like building those connections so like Kay Kay was essentially Ryan Leslie's sort of like mentee for a long time. um And like his understudy and like that informed a lot of like Kay's experience in you know after college and then into like his work as a producer our work as producers together and like his work as an engineer. Um, So like I mean those that NYU t- time was just invaluable to us Um, just outside of just like the formal education we got as producers like we got to see firsthand like how do you get a crowd moving how do you get people excited how do you like what songs do it right and like and, and it'd be the songs that you wouldn't think did it are the ones that were that did it and for us we always take that into the studio like all right like we know the bounce, right? Like we know the grooves that like make people want to dance, get people excited or the opposite, get people emotional and like make you feel something. And I think for us, from an art perspective, that's the, always the, like the goal is how do we make people feel something? What's the way to that emotion? Sure.
1: Well, that's awesome. fascinating, right? Never thought of it from a producer standpoint, right? It's like, how do you get the feedback? You know you're stuck in the studio technically producing but how do you know if it's any good sure it's good to your ear but you don't have a live audience in front of you to to tell you so you guys being able to almost shop around your your sound to an audience then that feeds back the art that's great
3: it's it's built in sort of you know demoing of your of work right and so like and and even at that time we weren't even necessarily playing our stuff or remixes that we were doing we were more so taking notes like you know during that time you know in college and then even more so i would say like the years right after college where we were doing sort of residencies uptown like we did a full like summer of just like playing uptown every every week and like at that point Like, I could tell you at one o'clock what's going to get the people going. You know what I mean? Kay could tell you, like, how do I keep the drunk people here for as long as possible? And, like, this is the song that's going to do it. And we, like, we store that information. And Mm -hmm. we know, you know, like, that react this reaction comes on when you throw on this kind of bounce. Or, like, people just want to sing when you throw on this, like, random emotional record. Like, one thing about our sets, we always included what we call the TRL set. Mm-hmm. And like that was like our favorite <laughs> point of the night because we got to like basically just play these like salute, we were playing them in like super, you know, rapid fire style of like playing these records that like no matter what age, like there were young people, there were older people there, but those people sang those records mm-hmm. literally just sang their hearts out yeah, yeah. and we knew we had I that wanted list. That, that was one of them yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was, was one, one of them like yeah, yeah that was I know. One of them. Yeah,
4: it has to be it has to be the, the fresh be. print the fresh Prince theme song uh there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of, yeah yeah <laughs> there
3: were always those records but like it, it started to. It always makes you think as a producer, like, why are those records still the ones that get people to sing, still get the, those people to dance to this day? Like people, you know, Gen Zers are no lyrics to those records that they shouldn't really know lyrics to, but they just feel good. So, like, I think that's something that we we gained a lot of knowledge from, like, our time as as DJs for sure. Yes,
0: yeah, essentially user testing right i mean that's what that's what i do for work so everything you're saying right now resonates because that's what i do on an everyday basis like if i do something artistically visually how does that make a user feel what do they do do they do what we think they're going to do if not then we got to try something different and you know it getting from a to z how to use how do people get there right so if we want the crowd to get excited on your standpoint what are what is the, the the build up to that right and if you do the build up and it it flat lines okay then where was the missing piece there maybe so we'll swap out this and exactly. put this in there and that kind of thing yes it's that's essentially what it is um for sure. so so twofold here one um obviously you mentioned it before so your longest relationship you guys have been uh partners for a while um we i definitely want to know like how did you guys kind of come together right obviously you got nyu anyone that doesn't know It's, I mean, it's a huge school, but also it's not a centralized campus, so everyone's kind of dispersed. So, you know, were you guys roommates at some point? Did you bump into each other at Starbucks? Like, how did that (laughs) process work? And then you spoke a little bit about kind of, you know, how your creative process worked in the beginning, right? The shopping around the sounds and understanding what people liked. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about how your creative process has evolved over the years? You know, what have you added to your tool belt to understand when you go into the studio, okay, this is this is our goal, right? And this is how we're gonna get there.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'll take the first part. Okay, you could take the second part. Oh, cool. Um, because I like reminiscing, because I I reimagine <laughs> the past in favorable terms. Now, um, so we we actually so we went to the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music, and um at the time the program was only four years old, um, and so we were. At, we were the fourth graduating class if I remember correctly yeah um, so it was only three years old. Um, so this was around the time we're aging ourselves when Facebook opened up to uh, like high school students essentially like before you needed a, a like college right. um, email. Like a college email in order to join we were able we were like among the first ones to be able to, to join without one. Uh, and so there was a actual Facebook group for our incoming freshman class or whatever that got created because the program was I want to say like damn near like th- maybe just 30 people at the time like, yeah less they, less it was really really small um and so we um we all sort of started talking to one another um on on the Facebook group chat and it became sort of like a hype up, right? Like we were all sort of getting hyped to meet one another. Um, and like me, I'm like, uh, you know, my story. I'm I'm from the Bronx, um, you know, Latino, and like, you know, just having that perspective. I was sort of like, also like looking out for like, all right, who look like me. <laughs> um, and, and and beyond that, like. Who 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 do I see as like potential collaborators? Like you know, in terms of the genres of music people are making and so on and so forth. And um, it, the I would say the sort of like the quote unquote urban cohort was really really small. <laughs> like literally a handful of people that were like making hip hop music, pop music, well not pop but hip hop R and B. And that was really where I was, where my mind was centered at that time. Um, i was very much like hardcore rap um you know i i wasn't even diving into RB like that um that was i i was in that vein of stuff and so um obviously like connected with k connected with a couple of other um really dope producers that were in our same grade and we all made like a, a essentially a a pact to to come together on the first um, night of freshman events, uh, the the Tisch School of the Arts threw like a loft party, and so we literally did the corniest shit possible. We all met up yep. wearing the same color, <laughs> everybody wore black, <laughs> super emo, um, and yeah. we met that night. So literally we met the first day of school, <laughs> essentially, uh, and we yeah we worked together pretty much all four years. That's a great story.
4: Um, yeah, 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 for oh, sure. Wow. Shout out to shout out to Facebook groups. <laughs> yeah. In the in the early days. Before they was like, toxic. Yeah.
0: This guy said the early days. when I don't yeah. want to age myself, but that's when they opened Facebook up to other people. <laughs> Bro, I remember when Facebook started.
3: But man, how i got an go e- email
0: i got an email when facebook opened up in my school bro what are you talking about aging yourself
2: <laughs>
0: I, I was in, I, I remember very vividly i was on thanksgiving break and they were like facebook is now in your school and i was like this is great i don't know why it was great but <laughs> now i yeah. wish i would have never gotten that email
1: I mean, Mark, I had yeah, a quick yeah. question about your program. So you yeah. you said that you were looking for people like yourself or people who had your similar interests. Um, what were kind of the broader, like what was everyone else into?
3: Uh, I, I would say there was a lot of pop, a lot of rock, um, you know, folks that were sort of into um, more, like there was that, that cohort, there that was just the more, um, you know, electronic-leaning ambient cohort of people mm-hmm. that were sort of like, this is pre-EDM really, like EDM like as we know it now, right? Um, like there's always been house music and techno and all that stuff, but like this is before that sort of really popular surge of EDM DJs. Um, so, but there were still people that were in that world that were, you know, true to to that. Um, so yeah, there, there was definitely a, a, a large mix I would say from like a background standpoint, um, you know, culturally there there was less diversity um than I'm than there is than we know there is now at that program. And and they've done a really great job of expanding and like sort of making conscious efforts to to make have a more diverse like incoming class. At that time, it it was just a much smaller pool. And so um I definitely like gravitated towards K and towards those other few people um and we sort of created our own little niche that's great yeah yeah so good times I mean K in terms of yeah the second part of of, of Jay's yeah yeah
4: in terms of like how you know our our creative process I I would say back then it was we were fresh out of high school and like learning how to do things the proper way so that was just a completely different you know from learning how to make beats on my pc computer that you know i built in my bedroom to being in a multi-million dollar studio learning how to you know record a guitar properly it's like a completely different shift so it's like you're you're learning all these things and trying to apply them Um, with, you know, with limited resources, like when you kind of go back and and try things on your own. And but I think it was a really cool experience because like we both came into it, like having done the work ourselves, you know, in high school or whatever, working with artists, um, you know, you know, trying to hone our craft as as best we could. And then the formal training kind of just brought a sense of professionalism to to our our skill set. And so, pretty quickly, you know, when we were in college, we were doing going to professional studios and collaborating with, with, you know, professional producers, songwriters, um, not as much artists, but that, you know, things came from that, um, from that pretty early on in, in college. And so, our, our process got a lot more refined in a, in a, Relatively short period of time of us just knowing, being comfortable in a in a professional recording studio, being comfortable setting up things, being comfortable, um, you know, uh, putting songs together in you know the way they were being put together at the time, and then that only developed more when we got our own space when we graduated because then it was like okay, going from a professional studio to a you know our own production kind of set up where we had to just figure out how to set everything up and and have our own clients that are coming in looking at us as the you know the the, the leaders in, in creating records so it, it built our confidence and um, our skill set even more and made the the creative process I guess less technical is what school can kind of get you in a very technical mindset and it got to more of like experimentation and like, you know, just being more free and confident to to try new things and to, you know, to push, push the boundaries a little bit more outside of what we even thought we were capable of. So and that's that's, you know, fast forward to now is just a very seamless um, process when we work together. We're very, very collaborative with each other. Um. It's funny when artists like see us work, like if we're getting in with the artists and creating something from from scratch, um, they they always a lot of times they make a comment like you guys barely even like spoke to each other in this track just kind of came out of nowhere. (laughs) And there's a there's I mean, many reasons for that. It's like we know each other's instincts. We know um, how we think we know the the our skill set and we kind of just fall into whatever naturally feels right in that rhythm and we know all the technical stuff too so that doesn't bog down whatever ideas you know coming into into our head so our our creative process now is very much like if we're getting technical it's because we're we've done all the creative stuff already and we're just trying to get down to the nitty gritty of like okay why does this chorus not hit the right way or why does the second verse get boring or why does you know we we then we talk about those things that's when we're talking a lot more but initially it's just we're going off a feel we're going off a vibe and and off of the energy in the room at that time so it's 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 evolved tremendously from when we first started and we're like just heads down very narrowly focused To just being more fluid and I feel like confidence is the the biggest game changer in terms of growth of a creative uh, person. It's like, you know, it's like you've you've messed up so many times, so like you've gone through that and you're not afraid anymore. And Mm -hmm. And that confidence just comes out of like, I know I'll figure it out you know, it puts you in a state of
3: flow much easier. Like, I think that that's one of the things that like, we we're able to like, sort of fast forward into flow. Um, cool, which is is, like very, that's just off of years and years of being like bogged down in the minutia of the work and like no longer needing to do that frees us up to be more creative you know what I mean like like the idea is just going to come out and then after that like he says we can go back in and have conversations about what would make it more interesting or what would make it more innovative or creative is there a specific choice that we want to do to like depart from what we normally do and that's where like the the ball starts to get rolling like it I can you know i i can lay down something in 10 minutes you know what i mean like and he can lay down something in 10 minutes and that's what the artists re- will remark about like wow this is a full, fully fleshed track how did that happen like where did those strings come from and and it really it's like a you guys didn't speak you just like it just came together it just ha- like happened um but really it's years and years of like you know like Kay said just getting it wrong miscommunicating like just not knowing why things didn't work tweaking 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 you get it right once and then you can get it right every time after that
1: the way you guys are talking reminds me of how people talk of jazz musicians you know how they kind of come to Mm -hmm. they they have no notes or like no set you know music they just get in they start jamming they play off each other in this kind of kinetic right. way, like, and, uh, and then they make magic happen.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to think that it's, there's an element of magic to it, but that there's very much that it's like, a I I play a note and he's like, oh, that's dope. And I go with it and he does something I'm like, that's fire. And we like, there's that exchange. And then once that's happened, that like sort of agreement, that contract of like, we are on the right path. We, do, we already know what to do after that. And so there's just silence and just music happens. Yeah. Ooh,
1: that's exciting. I'm excited. <laughs> so, so speaking of college, so you both went to NYU, right? So how did uh, NYU and being from New York city and also respectively from Boston, how did that experience lend itself to your sound and style? Mm,
4: good question. Uh, so I, I guess my perspective is slightly different because my, my father's a musician and he like plays a ton of instruments. Growing up, I always heard music and I always heard him making music and less not so much in the studio, but more so live conducting choirs, orchestras, brass bands, um, that kind of a thing. So I, I always had that, I guess, ear in me. Um, from growing up uh, around him. And um, I would say in, in college, um, it, I took that information and just was able to fine tune it into like the studio experience and taking that live energy, but like bringing it to a more controlled, um, polished kind of, kind of state. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, that informed a lot of like, and then so then New York was like a completely different vibe from Boston from where I grew up and I grew up in the city in Boston, so I still had the urban aspect of New York didn't shock me, but the pace was like much different. And I, I, I like to think of myself kind of as a chameleon. So like whatever situation I'm in, whatever room I'm in, I'll, I'll move at that pace. you um, So, yeah. So New York was like, and especially NYU, which is not a campus at all. Um, it's just New York is go, go, go. So everybody at NYU is go, go, go. And that's the kind of energy I just tapped into and embraced. And I feel like. The culture of New York, going to live shows, going to clubs, you know, seeing all these things informs the decision you make as a producer, as a creative person, period, because like you is, there's there's art all around you at all times. And that experience is something that I wouldn't have gotten being back home in Boston. Um, I would have had to move somewhere to get that. So my music probably would have sounded completely different from you know, going to NYU, being less about NYU, but more so about New York City as a whole. Right. And so that was like my perspective, um, which is different from New York, from, from Mark, because he grew up here. He grew up being around all of these like iconic places and, and, and you know, yeah. all these things that, that you hear about, but never experienced. So my first time was experiencing it, you know, at 17, 18 years old when, you know, Mark grew up in the Bronx. So that's a whole different like lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, you know, you could you could talk more towards like let's
3: just say I knew being in it, you know, I knew K was like one of us when he could keep up with me on the street like literally like i mean speed like the like new york walking speed like you know anybody if you ever walk with someone who's not from new york yeah. they walk hella slow <laughs> they, like, I'm, you are not keeping up and i was k for the first four years of college and then one day he started like walking faster than me i was like damn bro you running yeah. but he, i was like All right, you, you with it? you with the shits you, you and your from tips New York to
0: understand that. Yeah. Like when yeah. you're walking in front and back of someone that's slow, and you, and you do the you do the and you walk around <laughs> the a fact.
1: It's,
3: it's absolutely true. Nah, but uh yeah, I mean for, for me, um like my experience is like very just very Bronx, very New yorkian Um, you know, I grew up um I went to like school in the South Bronx. Um my like my whole family's from the South Bronx and then like, you know, we moved um further east/north slash north, um and I think musically that that informed everything. My mom, my mom grew up on like Motown and salsa in like the golden era um and like was l- literally always playing music in the house um and I didn't have musical siblings or family members. So I was very much like an oddball in my family for like being, you know, obsessed as they would say with like just music in general. Um, I was always obsessed with the idea of being a DJ, um, with the idea of playing music for people. Um, And then that changed when a couple of high school friends Um, put me on to like a demo of fruity loops and they were like yo you know you can make your own beats like is is, there's a free demo like just download it and i I took an hour for my my cheap compact presario to download the fl (laughs) studio at the time whatever it was my, my my hewlett packard um but um yeah that was i was hooked for essentially like you know the rest of my high school years that was like I would say early sophomore years I was hooked for the rest of high school on just like making beats and like. imitating what I thought was like you know the pinnacle of music at the time, Um, so that very much informed, and I mean like you growing up in the bronx like hip hop is like life here is like is embedded in who you are to the point where you don't even recognize it as such you know like you don't realize like that that this is like part of who you are until you leave somewhere else and like recognize like oh wow like being exposed to other countries and or just another state like they don't live it in the same way as like people in the bronx do or just really new yorkers do um and so that, I came in with that like energy, that Bronx energy when I went, came into NYU. And like, I think that was probably very unique, probably jarring for someone like Kay to like meet, meet someone with like zero filter and was kind of talking the way I was talking. But I think, you know, it's been a like my personality and his personality, the reason why we work so well together is there's like a complementary balance at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm I'm very like, I would say like willing to speak up and like willing to like sort of say the thing and Kay is more so the person being like maybe you shouldn't say the thing right now let's hold off. <laughs> um, and like I know I probably wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have like him to reel me back in um, and hopefully he feels vice versa that like. You know, my voice has like a has like sort of pushed us in 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 a way as well. So um, it's definitely been yeah, an integral part. New York in general has been an integral part of us because even nowadays, like to this day, we we're the New York guys. Like literally, industry mm-hmm. people. Like you know, everyone mi- has migrated to LA um, in the music industry and like that, it, or or Miami if you're doing Latin music. Um, and so the fact that like record labels are like oh so and so artist is in new york like who do we put them in with and they're like oh Press is here like they know we're new york based and a piece of us like while the temptation to move to la is ever looming for us and and you know maybe we'll do it you know sometime at some point um being in new york has had a certain value to it um and people that come to new york looking for that new york flavor know that like we're here to provide that as well
1: right you and you offer i'm sure a level of authenticity too right right if No, they're looking 100%. for that
3: yeah no definitely i think they they come wanting i mean for us what we take take from the new york sound or just the new york energy is like uh a bravado, uh, a a bounce, there's a certain level of like knock, you know, if you're going to put it in like, um, in terms of sonics and acoustics, like, you know, when it comes to like describing our sound, like, no matter what, like, our stuff is going to bounce, it's going to have a groove, but no matter what, even if it doesn't, even if it's a ballad, it's going to hit you in a, in some way shape or form whatever the sounds are they're gonna knock and like that we take that from our idols people like Timbaland and people like um you know Dre and the Neptunes, like their stuff knocked and like that's kind of built into who we are as producers as well
2: all right so um when you guys mentioned like learning this learning software early on in high school it immediately took me back to Jay and, and Jose I don't know if y'all did this but Photoshop 6 was in my hands when uh when I was before before I ever ever took any uh design classes in high school Um, I didn't do that till my senior year but yeah learning it in advance and then um you know <laughs> like like Kay said when you when you step into a classroom where you have to actually follow you know instructional methods and you're yeah. like god damn I just I've spent like I just did this shit for three hours last night like I just I know I think I know how to do some of this uh and, and you know alter altering your learning that that was uh it brought me back to that time I, I that was kind of fun um but that that's but, a great
3: time there's an element of like amazing stuff that happens in that time right like there's a frustration but mm-hmm. then there's also like this like aha moment that you get so much satisfaction from and like while being in the place that we're at where like you could call it a a level of mastery because I don't think we've we wouldn't even say like we've reached mastery like there's things we have yet to master right and so like I could never like be there and I don't think I'll ever allow myself to like think I've mastered it all but like those aha moments came so much more often in those times because like everything was new everything was like a challenge um that that was exciting to me like in those early days even though we were we ended up learning we were doing it all wrong because yeah.
0: we were... oh oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean to zito's point i mean going into a classroom and being like well i know photoshop and then <laughs> you, you sit in there for a class and you're like Wait, what do you mean you don't put a gradient on everything? You put a gradient <laughs> on everything. That's so the you button there for. I don't you put a emboss flyer, on gradient everything. On every, yeah, boss, <laughs> gradient, emboss and a shadow. You're good.
1: A shadow. And they're
0: like, no, no, this there's better ways to do this. I'm like, no, no, there isn't. I'm the guy that makes all the flyers. Everyone says I'm the best. I'm the best.
4: <laughs> <laughs> gradient do do on <laughs> everything. <laughs> You see you see my flyers up tall? Look at that. <laughs> is, that, you see my flyers?
3: is that Comic Sans? Oh. Times <laughs> nah, nah, New Roman?
0: Nah, nah, nah. No Comic Sans. Oh yeah, Times New Roman. Times New Roman everything. Cuz that Roman. was before that was before you could get a bunch of typefaces. We were broke college students. They were like, I gave <laughs> I gave fons. everyone com, that wanted a flyer, you want five five options on your flyer. These are the five typefaces you could have.
2: <laughs> and that includes Arial and Arial Bold. You <laughs> All right. All right. So, look, producers, writers, DJs, you exemplify versatility, right? That's what we're talking about. Um, But we're curious, um, how do you label yourselves and and do you label yourselves? Kay, take this because uh, let's hear your voice a little bit more.
4: I try not to. All right. So it's it's funny. I feel like our career might have moved faster if we just stayed in a box and like said, this is all we do, this is it, this is what we're known for, that's it. Um, I feel like the the music industry as a whole likes that because they like to, oh no, this is the, these are the hip hop guys, these are the pop guys, these are the, you know, these are the r and mixing engineer, this is this. The industry likes to do that so that they can, it, I, I don't know if it's out of, um, comfort or they feel like you can't be great at something unless that's the only thing you do but we've never stuck to that because one we're interested in a lot of different things in the creation process two we didn't have the luxury of only just making beats and that's it we had to learn other skill sets in order to survive in new york in order to um get more work in order to be better as producers, like understanding how to engineer helped us make better decisions in the production process because we understood what an engineer would need. Being able to mix a record made it easier to record somebody because I know what a mixing engineer would need to make a great record. So that's always the approach we've taken it. So it's it's been, it can be tougher to brand yourself because nobody can do it all and be good at it, right? People always want you to identify that like, yeah, but what's like your main focus? And this is like my main focus is to make great records in whatever capacity that is. And I feel like us reframing that to the industry and to whoever you're working with is just like whatever you need us to do, we can do. And or we can bring the people along to help us do it in at, at the highest capacity. And that's like helped. um sustain us, I guess. And and this this the versatile skill set is what helps, um, you know, if 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 there's a time where like people just aren't really looking for beats, like we can help write a song. And that might be the thing that month that, you know, brings in the, the, the bulk of the money, you know, the bulk of the revenue. You know what I mean? So being as versatile as possible while still like. Um, you know, not like spreading ourselves too thin um was something that took time because we were definitely spreading ourselves too thin like early on just like just do everything just do everything but some things can can suffer but having those like focus moments of okay we need this to improve so let's focus on that we need this to improve so let's focus on that there's an opportunity over here let's focus on this you know so I think that's Also, what kind of happened from like DJing to morphing into production and being in studios is just like the the opportunity was shifting um, and uh, we didn't want to lose out on opportunity and experience. So like being as versatile as possible has helped, I mean, keep us going, to to be honest, and 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 bringing things that we wouldn't normally think to 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 work on genres and, you know things like that, and artists to work with. It's like, oh, no, we can go to click and press because, you know, K can vocal produce as well, you know what I mean? And, And so that we don't need an engineer, you know, they can handle it themselves. That becomes starts to become the conversation at labels or with artists or things like that. And that's what we want. That We want everybody to see us like that. Oh, we can just put click and press in a room with an artist and they can come out with a song that sounds good, like, that sounds great, oh you mean we don't have to bring in an engineer we don't have to bring in a songwriter we don't have to bring in a vocal producer because that's that's back in the day that was the norm there was the producer there was the musician there was the songwriter there was the artist the engineer the vocal producer and the a r to guide everything that's like the normal mindset of creating a, re- a record nowadays it could be one kid <laughs> in his bedroom and do everything you know his, his, or, or herself. So we take that. We take that all because we've seen the changes of like where you need the big studio to the just doing it on a laptop, and so we're our our our, our skill set has to be that evolved as well for us to feel comfortable in any situation.
1: And to move with the times, like you
4: said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's some people who they're the. Um, I don't want to get too technical so like they're the, the the rock guy who can mix big anthem rock records the best keep going to him but if big rock anthems aren't what's popular at that moment if that's all they were focused on they're kind of out you know what I mean and somebody right. else who can do something different will, will get the work so it's mm-hmm. like we try to never just get boxed into a narrow category just to keep you know and it keeps things fresh for us of and, course and fun well,
1: this is you being a chameleon like you mentioned before yeah right mm-hmm.
4: for sure well i think the
3: the pandemic was definitely like probably one of the best examples of like a pivot moment for us like or a moment where we're like we were literally forced to learn how to adapt um i think Obviously, every industry w- was in that predicament of, as well. Music was unique in that, like, so much of of our experience in, in music and in the industry was based off of like setting up sessions that happened in person, right? Um, and when you like eliminate that, and you have to now sort of navigate Zooms, like everybody you know else did, you know, unlike you know other types of work, like. Trying to facilitate a vibe via a zoom is like really hard um, and creating music, you know, there were people that got it done lots of people got it done. It's just not like intuitive, I, I would definitely say and funny enough like technology has struggled to sort of catch up um, to the remote music making um, world. And so that was like a challenge and so we, we discovered that like all right if we're not going to be able to get in with artists this way um you know where do we shift to and and we spend a lot of time actually on film and tv work um and that was something that sort of changed our perspective and opened up a whole new market for us that we hadn't explored until the last two years um and so like you look at like the stuff we've done we went from doing you know working with our, our work with Dreamville, like rap, hip-hop work, to R&B work, stuff like, you know, artists like Queen Naija, um, and then we're, you know, Alessia Carr, Pop, and and then in the last two years, it's been, our biggest stuff has been like Peter Rabbit, like two, you know, a movie, <laughs> like a random motion picture, right? And more recently, we uh, we just did some music for the soundtrack of um, Gran Turismo 7 so like that's like how we literally like sort of said all right you know artists and working with artists and music is cool but like we got this whole film and tv and gaming industry that sort of opened up to us and a bunch of opportunities happened um in that time and we were able to just sort of make that pivot because we kept our skill set really wide um, and open and we're like, all right, you need cinematic stuff. Cool. We can do cinematic stuff. You need scores. You need strings. You need an orchestra. We could do that. Let's do that. Um, and so it's, it's opened up a lot of opportunity for us.
1: Wow.
0: That's awesome. I mean, we all have kids, so we're probably going to have to go check out that Peter Rabbit 2 soundtrack. See yeah. It's see if it bangs, man. For sure. Throw, throw that out some more and see if my kid just yeah. starts rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though, because then you 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 get your fan base early, man. You get them at, like, That's three it. or four. By That's the time it. they're older, they're like,
3: oh, these are the guys from Peter Rabbit. I'm going to be oh, 50, 50 and your sons going to be like, yo, click and press.
0: Yeah, you knew about <laughs> click press. Really? They killed Peter Rabbit 2? <laughs> um talking about that box though um you know i want to stay on that for for one more for a little bit more um obviously you guys are the first guests we've had on that are grammy nominated we can't leave without mentioning that right so you know being so focused on being versatile have you guys ever been tempted especially like after a situation where you are grammy nominated to to kind of put yourself in a box right and try to recreate some kind of magic right where you're You're trying to do the vibe, but you're like, nah, but that's the thing that we almost won an award for. Let's just do that again. And maybe this time we'll get it.
3: I think we were saved from that because of the pandemic, to be a thousand percent (laughs) honest with you. I like truly, literally, like the 2019 into 2020 was like the Grammy Awards all that, and and that was, we're talking January, then February, the awards were February, right?
4: February, uh last week of, of January, it was early that year.
3: La- right, so that was, cause mm-hmm. of Kobe passed, it was like a horrible, it started off horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So like all that stuff happened and the calls were coming in, right? It was like, yo, I wanna get in with Click and Press, let's set up these dates. And our publisher was like making all these moves, and had all these sessions set up and then literally, you know, what was it like March, like Mm -hmm. when we were both set out, Kay was already in LA ready to like do it, already starting to do some sessions. I was set to fly out and she hit me like, yo, all flights are canceled. Like nobody's going anywhere. Um, And then Kay had to eventually like, you know, escape LA (laughs) mid pandemic. Um, And and so we really, you know, the momentum was sort of like stopped really fast. Um, And, you know, that's, uh, I I think in hindsight, like, uh, you know, we saw it as like a negative and we were really bummed about it because all this like sort of energy that had built up around the Grammys sort of fizzled because there were more important things that were happening. Um, But I think now, you know, a couple of years out I think it, it we sidestepped that really um, probably dangerous pitfall that you just named of like just trying to recreate a bunch of uh, songs like Sleep Deprived and and sort of live in that niche and we didn't so I'm not mad at that <laughs>
4: <laughs> for sure and it's also like the, like the way that song came about and that whole experience is something you can't manufacture. Because it was such a uh, organic, not even just organic, but like, yeah, it was an organic experience and a vibe and a moment in time that it's like to try and recreate it would have just been watered down versions of it. And it wouldn't have felt as as good. It wouldn't have felt as raw Um, and the energy wouldn't have been the same. So I don't think it would have been something we we would even kept trying to do because it's, you know, It's just we didn't try to do it the first time, you know, so maybe if like Sleep Deprived went number one on the Hot 100 and like made us millions of dollars, the pressure would have been so much, you know, higher for us to do that again because it's just like, oh, well, you just had a number one. So but I feel like the process like of that album even being nominated was such like a something that nobody ever expected while we we were creating it um that it was just everybody saw it as you know that was a moment that happened that was special and should always just be that you know like we don't need to okay next year when's the next you know dreamville compilation like there was no need for that because like that that moment had happened and it may come back again but nobody from that situation tried to like chase that same, you know, same formula, which is what's something that that gets chased a lot in the music industry because it it works on a on a, a large scale of like trying to become a hot name as a producer or you know, something like that. It's like, okay, well I go to these guys for this and this is a this is what makes hits. This is what makes money. So that's all I want from them. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to not be pressured by that type of thinking. And we've we've never really been pressured by that um, type of thinking. The pressure would only be internal, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. Correct.
3: And that, that, that album also wasn't really a, about a single song either. Like that nomination, yeah. I felt like was more about the totality of the work. You know, like that that album was like the sum of all these parts, there was nothing that like outshone anything. So yeah, it definitely was a unique sort of experience to be a part of, for sure.
1: So since you guys entered the music industry, uh, technology has changed. We, We started talking about it a little bit, how technology has changed, how music is made and how it's consumed. So how has technology affected you guys for the good and for the bad? You know we, we kind of live in this new TikTok generation now,
3: yeah. Um, and we and I mean, also
0: the NFT generation, you guys, right? Before we came on, you mentioned that, right? So, yeah, NFT yeah. is obviously a big thing
3: for you sure. Well. Um,
0: Jose's eyes lit up. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> I can tackle the NFT thing, and Kate, you got to talk about like the Admos stuff because that's mm-hmm. definitely been for sure.
4: A, a that's big that's factor. that's where I'm at right now. Is in, a, in the oh, Atmos you're in an
3: Atmos studio, he's in the Atmos- yeah, yeah room in republic
4: you wow. can't see the ceiling on the other uh, you can't see the speakers on the ceiling or anywhere they're hidden behind the walls but
3: i was like damn you your hue light game like got crazy at the crib
4: <laughs> <laughs> listen i wish i wish <laughs> yeah that's funny
3: but yeah so like um from a social media standpoint and like just like that sort of like angle it's definitely changed everything we came in and and i think the the height of of when we were starting was really like Facebook, right? Um, and Facebook was sort of safe and familiar for a lot of folks um, and they, you know, things pivoted and changed and, but it, I, I don't think until um, TikTok, until Instagram sort of changed its algorithm to be less about photos and more about like content. Um, did we start to see that like music wa- music decisions were getting made um, based off of these platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, the, the sort of prevalence of YouTube, you know, we go to record labels, um, particularly like, you know, 2010 to, to today, like a are not listening to like, you know, SoundCloud anymore, they're like looking at YouTube. Um, And that's how they're finding talent, right? Like people are not going to shows, they're looking at TikTok and seeing like, what's the TikTok song that's uh, Mm -hmm. trending right now. Um, And so that's a massive shift. um, And it's one that like, I don't know if it's here to stay or or if it's good or bad. Um, I do know that like, there is a conscious wing of the music industry that sort of like, Subscribes to catering to that in particular, like musically, like how do we make songs that like fit for TikTok? And there is a TikTok sound, there is like sounds that are sort of bred for social media. Um, but as far as like how we interface with that, I think for us, we come from a more so like quality content of like, is this gonna be a good song no matter where it ends up? Um, and I think. We're not necessarily thinking about social media and and you know those types of things in that way, as far as like popularity, because music is is really. Interesting audiences are fickle like something that they could like today they couldn't just completely hate and be over it tomorrow and be on to something so far left of what you could have thought right like algorithms can't predict that um so for us our. Rather than getting bogged down and like stressed by social media, we just sort of like trust ourselves as creatives and and are always keeping an ear out for like what sounds good to us. Um, And so we like are always listening to new things. And, you know, via sometimes social media via just like random searching on playlists and things like that, you know, listening to things that friends send us. you know, we're in a position right now where like lots of young artists like they reach out to us just off of like the music that we've made. And so we have really unique opportunities to like hear people's stuff that don't have the platform yet. And so that's really exciting and, and a unique opportunity for us. Um so that's a, you know, but then you get into metaverse, NFTs, blockchain, yeah. and that's like like many things is going to be a game changer for the music industry um without a doubt because i just think that you know seeing what people are doing the way they're selling albums and song experiences as nfts is wild and seeing what people like Snoop are doing in the metaverse and like creating venues um creating you know like people are literally you know investing in this space heavily and who knows what the viability will be in the future, I think that's like what everybody's sort of curious about like is this something that's around for the long haul. Um, in the music space, I can definitely say that like it's a point of interest and, and it's a way for the traditional norms of artist, um, record label distributor to sort of just completely be undone and and we in the music industry are sort of suffering under very sort of archaic and unfair conditions in terms of like how uh, finances are dispersed. Um, and so that paradigm shift of using blockchain as a way to sort of eke out the middleman and straight to your audience is something that has potential to really be powerful um and make music sustainable for artists right like one thing and i don't know if you guys touch on this in other forms of art but like like half of it is like how do you just make a living right like if you can't make a living off of your art like you're not gonna have any more Da Vinci's. You're not gonna have any more Mozart's, right? Like those people are not even gonna be allowed to sort of exist and explore their creativity and reach their potential because they're stuck at X Y Z. Whether it's a a corporate job, whether it's a Starbucks, like who knows? the The next great producer could be fucking serving a latte right now because they need money to pay off their college loans. Um, so like for me, I think the 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 opportunity and potential is in making music a viable career for folks so that like they can actually live off of it and like not need to be number one on the pop charts not need to be a billboard charter but can just be a musician the way that musicians used to exist and and still uh, thrive that that's something I would love to see
1: wow beautiful I couldn't have said it better (laughs) <laughs> yeah just sort of like the democratization of, of kind of how uh who has access right, right. To, to creativity right
3: absolutely uh and like that's changing too with technology and cake like
4: that's a good point in terms of access because i th- i feel like that's the the biggest positive of technology advancement in in any field and especially music creation is um anyone at some level can make a song and release it. And it's very simple as a process, quality, anything like that is a different story, but as a process to to do that. And I feel like it's opened the door wide open for a kid who just figures out how to make tracks on on his computer or on his phone or on his iPad and release it to the world and for some reason it just clicks and takes off that's not possible without technology and so i feel like that's the biggest thing that you know positive of technology on the flip side is it opens the door also to all the people who should who have no (laughs) there's no reason they should be making music cluttering up you know what the, the 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 pot and so it's harder right. to find those gems. That's kind of the you know the kind of give and take of it all. But I know everybody's for me, an
1: artist now, right?
4: Yeah. yeah, you know. So it's it's like that's just kind of what comes with it. The barrier to entry is super low now, but that just means you know that many more people who don't care enough to get better can walk right into that into that door, that same door. Um, but I know for for me personally and for us just as creatives. And when we look at technology and I've fully embraced technology and I think partially why I can, I gravitate towards whatever the latest thing I'm going to at least try it out. And I don't feel like, Oh, that's too, you know, what are they trying to do with music is because I didn't necessarily start in the age where you had to do the old way. So we were kind of in like this fine line between like, Like, we grew up, yes, knowing, like, before the internet, but we're also in the golden age of the internet. You know what I mean? So we have both perspectives, and we weren't, like, ingrained into one way of doing something early on. So it wasn't hard for us to adapt and hard for us to embrace, you know, new technology. So, like, for myself, like, you know, in terms of as a mixing engineer, like, there's older mixing engineers who... You know, feel like it can only sound good if it's analog. It can only good if you're in a in a expensive studio and it's and it's running through circuitry and it's it's running through all these things because that's what gives the sound a character and that's what comes out on the other end and it's better. And then you have the digital guys who are making stuff sound amazing on a computer, purely using digital tools. One of the biggest mixing engineers on the planet, this guy named Serban Ganea, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, is arguably the most successful mixing engineer of all time he is completely digital and has been for over a decade and it's like you can't tell me (laughs) that this is a better way when there's an example of somebody who is at the top doing things in a a digital way so when i look at that i'll use whatever tool if as long as it can get me to 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 a, a dope product at the end of the day so like I fully embraced like this new way of mixing. Um, It's called Dolby Atmos, where, um, you know, Atmos has existed forever in movies and movie theaters where like you hear a sound come from over here and you hear the helicopter swirling over your head. Right. And that experience now has been um, translated into music. Um, And, you know, most people, they don't have, you know, something like this where there's there's speakers above and speakers around you know it's very expensive to have but apple music created a version where you can listen and experience that in headphones and that just completely cracked the industry open um for me as a mixing engineer because i learned how to i mean i invested into it I, i took the training course with um the company with dolby and with avid a company that makes like one of the main the pillars of like um engineering recording engineering software um and learn that skill and it's opened so many doors for me and and you know will continue to and it's just the tip of the iceberg of um exploring it and and you know getting involved with it but it's something that an older mixing engineer who like is a fundamentalist would look at as crazy
3: sure. you know
4: so i just Okay, cool, then you don't do it. I'll take the work. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of how I've always seen it. It's just like if it's something exciting and something that I, when I hear it, um actually enjoy it, I'll use it and I'll I'll do it. I'll try it. And you know, I feel like that's how technology shouldn't be embraced. I, I'm never afraid of, you know, technology like um, you know, kicking me out of a job. You know what I mean? Like until the day there's robots making incredible music and mixing it and singing it and putting it out like we're we'll be fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know
0: that's awesome um now this has been this has been awesome guys uh you know when we put this together uh you know just reading your guys bio has screamed out versatility for us and everything you've said so far kind of encompasses that even beyond um you know, I, reading your bio, I don't I have no idea why your bio doesn't mention Peter Rabbit, but you need to definitely put that in um, there. Right, yeah, we have to update um, that. gotta update that to make sure. Um, but you guys, it, this has been amazing. Um, before we go though, uh, we wanna do one last session we do with all our guests. Um, so we have a session that's called Copy, Collab, Erase. So what we're gonna do for you guys is we're gonna give you three names, you're going to have to pick one that you would love to copy, whether it be their career, their style, whatever. Someone you would love to collaborate with. And then one person has to go.
4: Oh, damn. Okay. You
0: guys can go whenever order you want. Like
4: they die or what? Like no, what's no, they don't to have them? to
0: die. Just, <laughs> they just made the I mean, you it in whatever <laughs> existed. You don't got to kill them. No, no. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, damn. right. That's so funny. copy, collaborate, uh, Dr. Dre, Diddy, and Pharrell. What? <laughs> I right. knew it wasn't
2: gonna be
4: easy. All right. Never
2: is. All three. Of Wait, them are we? Are we? All three of them listen to this podcast. So yeah. take that into consideration.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. No comment. <laughs> My internet is a little
0: fuzzy. Right. I'm going through a
3: tunnel. <laughs> um, I would. So Dre, Diddy, and Pharrell. Yeah. Copy, collab, erase. Okay i'm gonna Damn, this is this feels wrong this, this is wrong on every level
4: hey at least um, they didn't ask us sex questions bro yeah i mean i don't this know what podcast
3: you're part of
4: hey, yeah um, yeah this, this is not the alpha male podcast i would
0: he had all his furry answers ready
3: man <laughs> I, would, I would copy damn i would copy diddy low-key i would copy diddy i would collab with pharrell and I
4: would begrudgingly erase Dre. It sounds I, horrible. At, yeah, I I would I would I would uh oh man I thought I knew and then I thought about it a little bit more. No, I would I would copy Pharrell. I would collab Diddy, and I would I would oh man, I would erase Dre. Wow. The only reason do we explain this or no? We just say it. And that's <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have you, to. You can if you want. The only reason I, um, I mean, I will copy Pharrell because Pharrell is like the epitome of like a lot of like what I want to do in terms of versatility and music and and just creativity in general and like, um, yeah, that, um, collab with Diddy because I feel like Diddy has is is one of the the greatest like um personalities like I would pull a lot of things from him that I don't have in myself in terms of um being as outgoing as the person who can just bring everybody into the room and, and create the energy and just be bold about that so I would want to collab with him to kind of like get some of those things and so that just that just leaves Dre where he's at even though Dre is like one of the greatest you know this
3: feels so wrong that's all I this <laughs> is
4: of all time <laughs> I feel like I can just I'll I'll study everything. Oh well, well he doesn't exist. So he doesn't yeah. Exist. <laughs> okay.
3: That makes me so sad. We don't get Eminem. Yeah. We lose. We That's lose tough. a lot. but <laughs> No doubt. Uh, Thank uh, y'all for, for taking the Crespo, time. Crespo, you wanna go? Oh yeah, yeah
1: I, I need yeah,
2: to yeah, hear yeah, y'all. Yeah, I'm gonna do rapid uh, style as well. I'll um copy Dre. I'm gonna collab with Pharrell and uh I'll race Diddy. Makes sense. I
0: am. Um... I'm going to collab with Pharrell. I think that would be a fun time. I'm going to copy Dre. I feel like he's done so many things in different areas. And uh, I'm going to erase Diddy really quickly just because I would not want to collaborate with Diddy because he would send me to go get cheesecake. Um, (laughs) And I wouldn't want to copy Diddy just because no matter how musically intelligent he is, he just seems like a really horrible human being. that A lot of people off. And I would never want
1: to copy that. Complicated.
0: He's a complicated human it's being a complicated that owes life. a lot of people money.
3: Misunderstood, guys. Misunderstood. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll piggyback off of that and erase Diddy. Um, and, and collab with Pharrell, because like we said, it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, you know, someone you, you want to bounce ideas off of. And uh, we'll copy Dr. Dre, because I want to keep Eminem in the mix. The uh, three of us had the same an exact answer. You yeah. all want the
0: Billy we, we from hang out, the we, we hang out Deal. too much. I think if right before this, even though it was a horrible song, if right before this, I wouldn't have listened to that May song that came out today. <laughs> that was Wait, <laughs> a May song
3: came out today.
0: So so earlier when you guys were talking about uh, bad production, mm. it sounds like he did it in his shower on his phone. Oh, it sounds no. real bad. Um, I didn't so even
3: check know that a out. new
0: May- I got yeah, the new May song. So, well, Yeah. We'll
3: we'll like it out. just came out? <laughs> we'll put yeah, it in the show in notes. Brand new. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Oh no. Okay. Well done, yeah, I will no, not be, I will not the not the be listening.
2: <laughs> Yo, guys, um, thank the, you. Yeah. for. Oh, what happened? No, go ahead, oh, go, go ahead. Ahead. No. I was gonna I was say, say, gonna say uh, you know, <laughs> thank you, thank you for your time, man. Uh, you know, we appreciate you making time to share your story. And um, and really it's been a pleasure to kick it with you. The last thing we're gonna ask is how do um our listeners find you
3: uh at click and press c-l-i-c-k-n-p-r-e-s-s that's pretty much all over ig twitter um uh, yeah um that's that's probably the best way yeah
4: so, yeah. thank
3: you guys for having us we appreciate you yeah awesome. appreciate it awesome. it's been fun
4: this was fun
2: One Love Art Sessions couldn't have been complete without the wonderful guests, and even more so, our wonderful community, and you, our listeners. We'd truly appreciate it if you took some time to rate and review the podcast. With your help, we could increase listenership and get these incredible stories and messages out to a greater audience. The music used in this podcast was created by Pound, a.k.a. Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. One Love.